Good morning, crew. Good morning, Tarleton. Good morning, mate. How are you doing? Very, very well. Welcome uh, to another episode of uh, Coffee Next Tuesday. This Great fine to autumn Tuesday in the start of May. It's freezing, mate. Uh, how's your week been? Week's been busy. Yeah. Uh, did those big RFPs that I was speaking about last week. All done week. and dusted, All mate. All done and dusted. Sent away. Yeah. How's yours going? Uh, yep. Yep. It's going. <laughs> it's going. They're going, mate. They are going. Late nights, early mornings. Uh, haven't had to do early mornings yet, but yes, certainly been doing some late nights. Yeah, so it's actually, um, you know, probably the reason why we didn't get a recording out on Tuesday last week was because of how busy we were. Yeah, that was my fault. Hey, we got it out on Wednesday, so, you know. And neither of us posted it on LinkedIn yeah, no, on our social no media. It, but that's all right, still listen, that's what you want, isn't happy, it? Happy days, happy days. So, last week I was... Um, I was browsing the interwebs. Oh, Turned to be unusual for you. Turns out you can get it on your phone now. Oh, um, technology. But I, but I came across, I'm all about the infographics at the moment, um, and it came up uh, across a, a really cool infographic around the numbers of, the number of years it took for certain products or businesses, or, yeah, certain products, to gain 50 million users. Right? Yep. So it was really, really interesting to see that like it took something like the airlines 68 years to get a user base of 50 million users and something like Facebook three years to do the same. I challenge you with this one, and you haven't seen this infographic, I'm guessing. No. How long do you reckon it took Pokemon Go to get 50 million users? Ah, uh, the way Pokemon Go launched, I'm gonna suggest a week. A week? Not bad, 19 days. It's yeah, not bad. 19 days. But one of the things that I actually did do was I spent a bit of time, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes, working out what the actual market penetration is of those same products now. So if you have a look at, say, something like um, airlines, they ne they, that now I worked out that 54% of the global population, now you assume that some people would travel multiple times in a year, use an airline yep. versus, say, Pokemon Go, that it's like, 9.9%. So, yeah, interesting that they've been able to accelerate to a 50 million user base quite quickly, but I think they've got a still a ways to go before they start getting the take up as something like an airline. Yeah, I mean, and it's a little bit different, right? Because the airline, uh, often airlines are restricted to um, a certain geographical area, for example. So, um, for Qantas, for example, to reach 20 million users, that is effectively the entire user base of their country. Yep. So it is, it is a little bit different when comparing them, but certainly interesting comparing the Pokemon Go adoption to Facebook, for example. Yeah. Both target reasonably similar um, demographics, both online, therefore available ubiquitously. Yeah. Um, but you know, what you've seen is, is that Facebook growth has continued for years and years and years and years. And yeah. we're starting to see, sure, the delete Facebook campaign the last year or so, but let's be honest, they just put their profits out and they did record year profits. So I don't think it's necessarily as big as people are suggesting. Whereas you see the Pokemon Go adoption has significantly declined after um, failed to um, support ongoing users. Yeah. So here's, yeah. Another, here's another question for <laughs> you. What do you reckon the user base compared in comparison to the population? So what percentage of the population do you reckon own vehicles? Globally? Globally. Or I'd have not a clue, and I don't want to put my a number in there so people think I'm I'm a fool. Twenty <laughs> percent. Uh, okay, so one in five. It's higher than I thought it'd be. Yeah, 
So it's, a, it's a quite an interesting stat. So it took 62 years for automobiles to reach 50 million users, but now they're in the billions of users. So where are we going with this? So what we wanted to have a look at was, well, that was kind of like a bit of the past, but what does the future look like? So we um, Got did, a crystal a bit, ball out. did a bit of research and found, and, well, you found a really interesting Gartner report or Gartner infographic Yeah, report. so Gartner do their, um, do their strategic trends and beyond report, I think they call it this year. I think they change it slightly every year, but basically looks at um, IT um, over, the, over the short term. Um, so this, this report here particularly goes into about 2021 and they pull out 10 top trends that they're expecting to see across the industry. Now these have been fairly accurate in the past. Yep. Um, we went back and had a look at a couple across 2002 and, and 2010 and yep. um, some of them are quite similar in terms of what they're predicting. Um, it's interesting though, we could probably do that another topic for another day where we could go back and have a look at 20 years ago and 50 years ago. And I'd be I'd be keen to have a look at some of the doomsday stuff from, <laughs> from, from you know millennium the millennium millennium bug and, and things like that. But yeah. um, yeah, some of them are quite different. I, I think that the second point says so 10 points that we'll run through. But the um, the second point on the the recently released one is um, talks about disruption. Yeah. Now, what it talks about in this situation is the seven digital giants or the seven leaders um, globally um, to self-disrupt using yep. technology. You go back and look at 2002, the report talks about the leaders being AT&T and Intel yep. um, being challenged through smaller disruptors. So it's still, that, it's still that innovation being led at the top end of town, but it's different. It's now being expected to come from the current leaders, whereas in the past, AT&T and Intel looking like um, uh, out, perhaps outdated or, or, or um, old giants, yep. and therefore not providing that innovation. Yeah, so this is saying that by 2020, by 2021, uh, and I'm already starting to see it now, so like, say for example, like Facebook, mm -hmm. I, I see them going into direct competition with YouTube, like very, very soon. So Facebook recently announced that they're entering the dating market, so they're taking on Tinder. Yep which seems to make a fairly common sense to me. They know enough about your personal life to, to enter that market. Yep. And it seems to be another great revenue stream for them. So yep. they will significantly disrupt that, which is a massive industry. Yeah, and look, Facebook is, is perfectly positioned, I suppose, unlike Google that owns the search, Facebook is per perfectly positioned because, like you said, they know everything about you so that they can build a platform off the top of that. I think the one that caught my attention, the number one was, I'm so excited about this one. Um, yeah. <laughs> Visual and voice search take off in e-commerce websites by 2021. And I think, you know, I've spoken about this in previous podcasts. Um, you know, there's a big prediction, not prediction, it's going to happen that services like, you know, Alexa, Amazon's Alexa and... I'm so excited for, for real, really, really strong voice tech. I remember, oh, must have been 12. So what was that? Six months ago? Um, no, it would have been um, about 13 years ago. So uh, I took a little bit of time to read this. Um, I was drinking my drink. Using the Microsoft XP voice to text um, with Microsoft Sam. I don't know if you remember that. I remember stuffing around with that and going, this tech needs, this tech is amazing. Yeah. But it wasn't anywhere close to where it needed to be then. Um, I mean, now we use the likes of Alexia and Siri. Yeah. Um, I was doing some work last night and I wanted to try to have my words um, voice to speech, uh, sorry, voice to text. Yeah. 
not quite there yet um, for me to dictate and while rambling along. Um, yeah. So I'm really, really keen to see this uh, this tech get put into everyday websites that we can use. And then obviously, once they're in a website, they run through some form of an API that we can then pull back. So I can say, Siri, search for this on this website and buy it. I think that's where we're going with this, right? Um, and there's a, there's a there's a trend further down. It talks about virtual assistants, but that's I think the first stepping stone is let's get let's get the voice um, side of things, particularly in search, right. Um, the logical step is that we could build that into commerce so that you can seamlessly be walking around your house, realize that you need washing detergent, and you know speak to Alexa and say, hey Alexa, order washing detergent. Um, I think that's going to be the Abs uh, absolutely. I think that I mean. It also ties in the, the, the AI and the bots. Um, so the, the stat here is in 2021, bots and digital um, assistants will be deployed in over 50% of industries. Now it's it's probably fairly easy for them to do. I mean, you've seen Messenger come out with their their um, their bots and digital assistants add-ins. We see it all across websites as well. So uh, what I'm really interested to see is how smart we can get that tech. And, and the moment it's a lot of specific question, specific answer, um, in terms of creativity um, from the, um, the bot's response will be, will be really, really interesting. I think it lends really well into the, the IoT side of things as well, which um, Gartner have put up here, taking up three, three of the top 10. Um, obviously, the first, the first stat that's worth talking about is their prediction that IoT is embedded in about 95% of devices by 2020. I, I reckon that's... That's high, it's a high number. I reckon it's low. I would have thought that it would be much, much more. Um, I mean, I, I mean in t we're talking about devices as being some form of technology. We're mm -hmm. not talking about it being a yep. cup, right? I would have but it's providing that connectivity, right? Back to some form of centralized area that yeah. perhaps aren't in there at the moment. I mean, what can you think of now that's, that's right for that sort of disruption that's sitting in a, in a home somewhere? So, I mean, we see it a little bit, but, you know, alarms, fire alarms, CCTV, the kind of security in your homes that, you know, there is new tech that you put in that's that's runs yep. back to an app, you live stream it, but there's a lot of old tech there that's not. Um, Things like air, like, I mean, air con. Yeah, thermostats, the Nest is doing a pretty good job on that sort of thing, door locks, that sort of, that sort of. Washing machines, more. dishwashers, slow cookers, ovens, lights everything. Yeah. But it, the, the issue that does bring, and it's another point that Gartner raises, is um, the security the security concerns around it. So um, through 2022, their prediction is nearly 50% of all security budgets for IoT will go to fault remediation and recalls rather than providing protection. This is a really big change from you know what we're hearing about at the moment. Mm. So everyone is talking security in the conversations I go out to, to discuss with. Um, and that conversation is around the protection of IoT in the homes. Yeah. So there was two stats here that, that caught my caught my eye, being around. You know, I think from we've spoken about the bot side of things, and we've spoken about the voice side of things. But I think underpinning both of those is the artificial intelligence, and, yeah. and I think that's probably going to be. I mean, that's the one that scares the pants off Elon Musk the most. Um, but there's there's some information here around that. By 2020, a high degree of fake content will be created by artificial intelligence, thus outpacing the ability to detect and stop it. And then you've got here that by 2022, 
citizens of the most mature economies will be consuming a high degree of fake news. So on one end you've got now, right now you've got you know, the, the president of the free world claiming you know, news agencies are, are producing fake news and thereby real life people, you know, we are going to be bombarded with this. This is even a risk that I never even thought. And you've got to think about how much, like Rupert Murdoch owns some stupid percentage of the world's you know, media agencies, how he will be able to influence people's mindsets and influence people's decision making through the use of artificial intelligence. Doesn't even need the people anymore. Yeah, I think it's a really concerning area and I think it's probably the most concerning for me um, because I, everything I do consume is, is virtual and everything, um, you know, all, all the information I do consume is online. And I can go to my, I can go to my um, trusted news sources, but I still need to scroll through, uh, I might scroll through Reddit and I might see an article. And you don't always have time to go and fact check everything. And there's, there's still that just inherent underlying trust I think people have in, in terms of something that is well created and, and looks professional, that it is real. Yep. And then for so much content to be then generated as, as, as fake content is a really, really alarming stat. I, I don't have a solution for it either. No, it's, it's scary and it's one of those ones that we're going to have to hopefully put a lot of governance around because as a, as a world that could really disrupt. You know, that could be almost the court. Imagine that, a computer, not, not, not the robots that we thought it was going to be in Terminator, but, you know, a computer influencing the world's media, causing, um, you know, the well, We've seen in the Cambridge Analytica, Analytica fallout and scandal, right? So yeah. a lot of their stuff was um, dodgy and, and a lot of their stuff was fake, fake news and, and fake, um, fake account creation and, and the bad actor side of stuff. So um, as that becomes more and more prevalent and automated, it is going to be a really, really big issue. Um, on that side of things, um, on an AI th side, we often hear um, people's concerns around as AI adoption um, increases, um, that we put jobs at risk. Yep. Um, so, I gotta put a stat here, by 2020, AI becomes a net job creator. On an average, it will create 0.5 million jobs, then it destroys. Which is a really, really interesting stat. So for every um, for every um, uh, area that it's disrupted and every jobs that it it it, um, it destroys, it's looking to still come out at 0.5 million in, in, in new jobs on top of that. So yeah. that'll be really really interesting. We do see it when new tech does come in to be more efficient. It's always great, but then we does create new roles to manage the tech that's making things yeah, efficient. I, I have no doubt that the roles that you know that that we think that um, people will be doing today don't even don't even exist yet tomorrow right so it's um it's an interesting one so in terms of how you know our target market the it people will be disrupted um garner is saying that by 2021 40 percent of it staff will be versatile so the way i read that as being is that you'll move away from being this hands-on tech guy that you know manages day-to-day -day, you know business management on your it systems through to being more business focus. So how can I apply technology to achieve a business outcome? Which is kind of the message that you, know, you and I sell every day. Yeah, and I think it's no surprise, right? So um, technology is now, and has been for, for a period of time, the key driver, um, the key driver to, to business innovation and, and business success. You, when you go back and look at um, conversations around IT maybe 10 years ago, it used to be a cost center 
uh, and they wanted to decrease the cost center. Now, you go out, their budgets are increasing, you've got marketing saying we, needing, we, we need this, and therefore it's putting that pressure on those IT leaders to be across the business in whole, be in, in, and be able to make those value decisions and those business decisions. And that's really where that change in knowledge, moving away from a systems guy or girl to a business leader is gonna be really, really important and it'll be a really, really big, big, larger focus. I wonder if it'll bring us to, you know, often CIOs, for example, are normally quite commercially led, of course, and, and often technology is something that they're well-versed in, but not at all at a level of the ITMs are in. I wonder if that will filter more down to the ITMs as well where the ITMs are now, yet rather than being 80%, 90% aware of what's going on in depth at a small scale in their their stack, to maybe being a little bit more hands off in terms of I see um, I see the role changing. You know, you might you you move away from being this IT or information technology manager to being maybe a, a business technology manager mm. or business technologist. Work out how what the business needs, go find it, go and apply it, or go bring a technology back to the business and say, I think we can use this as a return on investment. Um, finally, the last point here is around the legitimacy around digital com- currency. So, you know, looking at you know platforms like Bitcoin and Litecoin and what's the other one, Ethereum. Um, as being a staple across um, across global economies, and I could see that you know working even particularly well. I look at something's happening. Um, what's happening in Argentina at the moment? Their interest rates are at like forty percent. They're just trying everything they possibly can to uphold the peso as much as they possibly can. Um, I could see that you know that sort of a not third world-ish, but you know maybe a country that's that's it's on the brink of collapse. Yeah, so we've seen it in Venezuela. It's a quite a large um, crypto um, adoption, and, and we're starting to see it now. The banks are, are starting to launch and review launching. Um, uh, I can't remember which exchange it was in the states is, is looking to launch a currency, a cryptocurrency exchange. Um, I don't think it's going to be by 2020. We're not going to start to be trading in Bitcoin at a at a Western world, but I think it will support um, a lot of uh, exchanges and a lot of future tech as well. Yeah. Um, so that's up, us for today. Thanks very much for uh, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed uh, today's podcast. As you can tell, time on it. A little bit of time on it. Yeah. Over absolutely. breakfast. Over breakfast. <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining us. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. See you everyone.